0: I'm not gonna bore you today with the, uh, I'll probably bore you eventually, but at the very beginning, (laughs) I'm not gonna bore you with how this sermon came to be. I I will just tell you that I'm not sure that I've ever been as aware of my assignment as I am this morning. Um, The world we live in, church culture that's rapidly changing Culture, culture, that's rapidly changing. Mm -hmm. See, uh, when I put this series on the calendar a year ago, my greatest hope was that you'd walk out of this series when we're done, whether you're here one Sunday or whether you're here for the whole time, with a new desire for God's Word to be real and powerful in your life on a personal level. See, we we've become pretty good at coming to church and listening to somebody teach us the Bible. We've become pretty good of opening our social media and letting somebody share a scripture with us, and and those things are great. But I do believe that our own in our own walk in our own maturity. There comes a point where you and I have to develop a strong personal relationship with God's Word for ourselves. And that's been my greatest hope. So I'm going to give you a 15-minute sermon this morning, but it's going to take me about 20 minutes to set it up. Y'all, y'all okay with that? I was a little nervous the way you were looking at me, so. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We've talked a lot about foundation this year. And just so you know, I, I need to reiterate this. If you've built your life on anything but Jesus, you're on shaky ground. If you've built your life on religion, you've built your life on a career, you've built your life on your possessions or what you have in the bank account, it is all fleeting. And it will all fail. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And we've entered this season in our culture where people love jesus but are not enamored with his word i want to own jesus and i want to love jesus but there's things in his word that i just can't tolerate and i need i need you to hear from me see maybe you're here once maybe you're here every sunday but to, today in this for the next 40 minutes i'm your pastor it doesn't work that way you can't have Jesus and not embrace His Word. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And all things were created by Him. He is the Word. And you can't separate Jesus from the Word. That's your first in, by the way. A few months ago, I... Uh, I, I found myself concerned. and my, I, I, Honestly, I found myself grieving. Somebody that had introduced me to this. Um, now, you're going to judge me before I'm getting ready to tell you, but it, just go ahead. Uh, had, had introduced me to this hashtag on TikTok. And it was exvangelical. And so I've been... For some time now, watching evangelical TikTok videos, and they have broken my heart. and and Let me let me see if I can unpack it for you. the 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 buzzword is is deconstruction, and 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 what these these videos, many of them, are people that have been hurt by the church. People have been hurt by religion. People that have experienced some kind of trauma in the name of religion that have deconstructed their faith. And, and, and y'all, I, I need you to hear me. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be that preacher that throws stones at them because my heart has been grieved. And I feel like the heart of Jesus is hurting for hundreds of thousands of young adults that are walking away from the faith. Now we have an option. Here's what we can do as a church and as the church. We can point a judgmental finger at them and tell them, well, you probably wasn't saved anyway. Or, we can listen. Listen. So it's, deconstruction is this process of asking questions and investigating doubts. And it's specifically Christians who are deconstructing and questioning once held beliefs and doctrines and doubting previously held statements of belief and faith. And I'm going to tell you that deconstruction is not necessarily a bad thing. It's in the Bible. It's all through the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, look at verse 2. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be, tran- don't conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. <laughs> then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. See, uh, there's... There's deconstruction all in the Bible. And if, if something is, isn't built correctly, you need to tear it down and build it again. Some people's faith needs to be deconstructed because it was built on something other than the truth. It was built maybe on error. I heard a very pr- uh, prominent pastor in our community Um, by community i mean metropolitan atlanta said i was wrong on an issue so here's what i want you to do if you own my books about this issue or you own dvds or sermons if you have them on your ipad ipod nobody has an ipod anymore on your iphone listen listen what he said throw them away because I was wrong. So if we built something on error, we need, to, we need to tear it down, right? If our faith is built on, on a religious system, it's okay to tear it down. Because let me tell you, if, if you've built your faith on religion, religion will fail you. If you've built your faith on the faith of somebody else. you got to tear it down. If you've built your faith on the faith of your parents. On your friends. If you've built your faith on the faith of your pastor. you got to tear it down. If you've experienced trauma in the name of the church. I, I tell you what we could do. We could put up this veil and say sexual trauma doesn't happen in the church. We, we could do that. We'd be lying because it does and it has. And by protecting the predator and, and shaming the victim, that's what's happened. If we've built it on if your if your faith is based on pulpit trauma man can, can I tell you god convicted me about something that i i taught for years for years and i was wrong i i was a youth pastor for about 100 years, 100 years. Long time. And here's what I'd, I'd especially on whatever Wednesday night, because, you know, you church happened on Wednesday night. Whatever Wednesday night fell closest to February 14th, we'd have true love waits day, <laughs> right? And we'd talk about sexual purity, which I'm, come on, I believe <laughs> bonds of matrimony. I, I, I believe that with all my heart. But here's what, and, and, and oftentimes we would, we would talk to the young ladies, And we talked to them about how they were dressing. Now, listen, I believe in biblical modesty. Come on, I'm not not telling you otherwise. But here's what we would do we would place the responsibility for the young men's sexual purity on the young ladies. And we're saying, you got to protect them by the way you dress. Guess what? That's wrong. You know what I should have been saying? I should have been looking at those boys, eyeball to eyeball, and saying, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. <laughs> Who, somebody famous said that. Who was that? What was his name? Jesus. And so I'm telling you that, that we get it wrong sometimes, and sometimes, sometimes we build our faith on the wrong thing. And it's incredibly difficult for those who've experienced that kind of trauma in the context of the church to separate the trauma from the truth. It sounds like this. I've been hearing it for almost 30 years. If that's what the church is all about, I don't want it. So, Instead of shaming people for expressing doubts and asking questions, maybe we should be about the business of helping them find the answer. God is not afraid of your doubts, and He's not offended by our questions. So the process... The process of unpacking your system of beliefs and analyzing what you truly believe for the purpose of rebuilding your belief system on truth is a positive one. Truth is not afraid. Truth is not afraid of being scrutinized. Truth is not afraid of being analyzed. Because truth is truth no matter how you unpack it. If, if I asked my son Mikey to take apart the engine of my truck, he could do it. And it doesn't matter how many parts he takes it and, and spreads out across his garage, the thought of it is scaring me a little. It spreads it, because, not really, because he could put it back together. It doesn't matter how many pieces it's in, guess what? It's still a motor, right? So the Bible is full of deconstructionists. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's home. Had to tear that down, didn't he? (laughs) Joshua. Remember remember marching around seven times? (laughs) The walls fell down. He had to tear it up. Nehemiah was a deconstructionist. Even more, he was a reconstructionist. And the greatest deconstructionist in all of Scripture was Jesus. Jesus charted this path toward deconstructing an antiquated, insufficient religious system and reconstructed a new covenant that humanity could have with the Heavenly Father. He took this system and tore it down and said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Here's what he didn't do. He didn't throw away the truth to do it. He didn't throw away the truth of God's word to do it. Do you know what he did? He fulfilled it. He, <laughs> man, I, I, I've, I've wanted to be cool all my life and never quite got there. <laughs> Jesus was cool. Jesus looked into the eyes of religious leaders and he said, you think you have it all figured out. You look good on the inside, on the outside, but you are dead inside and I'm tearing that down. I'm going to tear it down in three days and build it back. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what needs to be tore down religion that looks great on the surface, but has no power, no transformation, no depth, no substance. Let's tear that down. problem is deconstruction without reconstruction my wife loves these fix it up shows these home fix it up shows because they'll go in in an hour tear down everything and put it back and it's beautiful and shiny and new and she'll say we can do that no we can't i can do part of it demo day i can tear some stuff up y'all i can do demo day you know what never happens they never demolish the thing and then leave it like it is the show doesn't stop on demo day and I'm afraid that many of those that are, that are walking down this deconstruction pipeline are, are, are just tearing it apart and not rebuilding anything. Right. What many call deconstruction is really just demolition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we don't build it back it's just a pile of rubble. I saw this one video, and in and, and just a minute I'm going to show you a screenshot. And, and y'all, I, I need you to hear me. I've, I've been watching these, and, and, it, and when I tell you my heart is grieved, my heart is grieved. <laughs> this one girl was sharing her story of her her deconstruction and and this let me show you her picture. The top says, I deconstructed religion and abandoned a faith that once consumed me. She looked happy, she looked troubled, she looked lost, yeah, 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 and, and I saw that in my my heart broke because here's here's the truth there's there's millions and here's what the church is saying to them y'all they're pointing a judgmental finger saying well you're probably going to hell and there's no hope for you I don't. I don't want to do that. Do you, do you know what I want to? I, what What I want to do is I want I want to help young adults answer that question. I want I want to help young adults that have deconstructed what they what what they once knew and what they once thought and what they once thought they believed. And I want to help them build it back on something solid, yeah. something that's real, not religion, not what their parents taught them, not what. Their pastor taught them, but something that's real and deep and substantive and transformational yeah. and that will last forever. Yeah. So, where does that start? It's a legitimate question. Where does it start? I'm looking around and here's what I'm seeing. Y'all are tapping your chest. And you are exactly right. That's what this series has been all about. I, I, bet, I bet many of you, those of you that are doing those, those journal workbooks, you're like, man, I, I've read this verse before. And you're filtering it through what you think you know. And I'm asking you not to do that. Read it like you're reading it for the first time. What do you believe? What do you believe? See, here's here's the challenge you can't rebuild your faith without faith faith in God, faith in His Word. Last year we had some work done in our kitchen that was way overdue. And my friend Tim came in and we, uh, he was asking me what I wanted. And then the process of tearing it down was fun. I helped a little. I mean, he can't look at me and go, Dwayne, you're tearing it up wrong. So I'd I like to help. But then the process of building it back started. And I'll never forget this. He sent this guy in to map out what the cabinets were going to look like and where everything was going to go and and, and the exact measurements. And he puts this laser thing. And if you want to know what it was, you're going to have to ask him later. This laser thing in my kitchen, and it does all these measurements. and, And the next thing I knew, there was a piece of paper with... This is what it this is what it's gonna look like. This is where this is gonna go. And so what what Tim didn't do is he didn't just start nailing cabinets on the wall. There was a plan, there was a standard. You can rebuild your faith without a standard. what we've I I don't want to be critical but here's what's happened over the last 20 years in the hopes of building organizations and institutions we have watered down this gospel and now we are reaping the benefits because n- now we've we've taken and uh, and by the way I'm, I'm I'm pointing a finger at us at the church we've taken away the standard and it's time to reap See, there are, uh, and this sounds so, my, my next words are going to sound so judgmental, and, and guys, you know my heart, and you know that I don't mean it that way. I believe that Christ died once for all, and, and whosoever will can come. I believe that with everything in me, but everything we've called Christian over the last 20 years is not not all the music we've labeled Christian is Christian. Not all the books that we've called Christian are Christian. Not all the sermons we've preached are Christian. So what does our faith look like when we strip it to the core? Well, let's, let's start. Can I, be, can I be a Christian and not believe in God? Okay, so is that judgmental to say, if you don't believe in God, you're probably not a Christian? Okay, can we, can we land on that? Okay, I, I believe in God. Okay, that's so that's one that's, that He created the heavens and the earth. All right, so if I don't believe in a God who created the heavens and the earth, can I be a Christian? If I don't believe in Christ, can I be a Christian? Okay, so I, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus Christ, and that He is the Son of God. Y'all, I read an article this week. Forty-three percent of evangelical Christians said they do not that they they agree to this statement. Forty-three percent, almost half evangelical Christians agree to this statement. Jesus Christ was a great teacher, but not the Son of God. So I'm going to say that if I don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He's conceived of the Holy Spirit, that He was born of the Virgin Mary, and that He was crucified, dead, and resurrected, yeah. that if I'm going to call myself a Christian, I've got to believe that. Yeah. You know, you're with me that so far? All right, are we talking about denominations here? Yeah. Are we talking about you know, dogma and doctrine? No, just the basic stripped down to the core belief. Do I need to believe that Jesus is alive today and that he's ascended to the right hand of the father and he's praying for you and me right now? Do I need to, if I'm a Christian, I need to believe that. Okay. Okay. Do I need to be, do I need to believe that there is forgiveness of sins? You better believe there's forgiveness of sins and that I can live with Jesus life everlasting. Right now, are are we talking about Baptist stuff and Methodist stuff and Pentecostal stuff or no, these is the stripped down core of our faith. Is that not right? Guess where every one of those doctrines came from. Every one of those beliefs came from this. (laughs) You would not know anything that we just talked about. You wouldn't know that we have a heavenly Father who created heaven and earth. You wouldn't know that Jesus Christ was His only Son, that He was born of a virgin, that He lived a sinless life, that He suffered, bled, died, was crucified, rose again three days later, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me and you. You'd know none of that without the Bible. So that has to be our standard. Oh, how about this one? Must we believe that the Bible is the true inspired word of God, that we accept that both the Old and the New Testaments are without error in the original manuscripts? Anybody know where that came from, by the way? Anybody know? Our website. Because we believe that. Hmm. I told you all of that to tell you that the foundation for reconstructing our faith is this is the word and, and it's not antiquated no. and it's not irrelevant look, after you get enough feeling in your blank i want you to look at my eyes it is living and active and sharp and i'm not a, I, i've never stood in this pulpit and claimed to be a bible scholar But I've been reading it a long time. And here's what I know there is nothing, nothing as transformational, as life changing, as a relationship with Christ through His Word. And I'm grieved. My sermon this week wasn't coming along like I thought it should. I was like, all right, Lord, it's Thursday. You know when Sunday is. I want to read to you. Now, listen, I, I, I'm not a, an apostle. And I would never try to insert myself into that role it's not i'm a pastor and i love you and i'm a teacher and that's what i'm trying to do today but i'm going to tell you that i i read this like god was reading it to me it's the the apostle the apostle paul wrote two-thirds of the new testament so he's pretty famous guy (laughs) had a young protege named timothy and paul was dying And he said, before I leave this earth, i got something to tell you. And when I read it, I, I sincerely felt like God was talking to Dwayne. So I want you to read it like God's talking to you. starts off in 2 Timothy chapter 4 if, you, if you're interested and you want to look at it for yourself later. He said, I solemnly urge you In the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Here's what he said. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For time is coming. Time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Paul said, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the the race. I have uh, remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. The prize is not just for me, but for all who will eagerly look forward to his appearing. And here's the most sobering part in the whole passage. He said, Timothy, Paul said, Timothy, Please come as soon as you can. Demas. Someone that walked closely with Paul. His name was Demas. Listen to what he says happened to Demas. He said, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life. You know why I'm so passionate about this word? There is a scarlet, blood-stained thread of redemption that runs from Genesis to Revelation. His name is Jesus, and I am not cutting that cord. You, You really want to know how I feel about it? Take me to jail. Take me to jail. Take me to jail. Put a bullet in my brain. I'd rather not have breath in my lungs than to forsake the inspired breath of God that inhales and exhales through the pages of this book. And I I see it on your face. Oh, I'm so glad our pastor has that conviction. Look at me. Eyeballs. It's not enough. You have to have that same conviction. See, sooner or later, I'm going to make some of you mad, and you'll leave. I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I, listen, we've been doing this a long time. Some of y'all are going to get mad at me at some point, and you'll leave. And I, and I, and I get it. I love you. But listen to me. You're sitting in a church, and they've cut that cord. You get out. You get out. You, you get on a motorcycle like Billy Bonner drives, and you get the heck out of Dodge. Because they're lying to you, and that's not a church, that's a cult. <laughs> so here's the question of the hour Has God revealed Himself? Has He? Has He? He's revealed Himself. In two ways that are really one way. He's revealed Himself and His nature and His character through His Son, Jesus. And through His Word. So has He revealed Himself? Has He? Can we know Him? Y'all, it is not enough to want to know Him. You have to get to know him. Yeah. That's what this whole series has been about. How can we get to know him through the pages of his book? I'm going to give you two or three ways. Um, and you don't have blanks for this, so stop looking for them. The first thing, don't, don't base your relationship with the Bible based on what somebody told you it said. Including me. Look, look at me. I, I love you. And I, I want to I tell you one thing. I, I work real hard. Matthew Robertson works real hard. Mikey look, works real hard when we stand behind this pulpit. Because we want to teach you the truth. But believe it or not, we are frail, fragile men. And we get it wrong sometimes. So don't you dare base every every part of your walk with Christ on what I teach you. You go home. You open that book for yourself. You build your faith. The second thing you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be okay with unanswered questions. I've been reading that Bible a long time and there's still part of it I don't understand. And I'm okay with that. And and I wonder why we hold the Bible to a higher standard than we do other parts of our life. See, there's all sorts of unanswered questions. Have you been to a doctor recently? Do they know everything? Of course not. But you still go. And if he he gives you a prescription, you have no idea what's inside of it. You have no idea what it's doing to your body, but what are you going to do? You're going to swallow it, aren't you? So we're okay with unanswered questions. I read this article about Kurt Fisher, okay? Kurt Fisher, now now let me tell you who he is just real quickly. He's a professor of education, human development, and director of the Mind, Brain, and Education Program at Harvard, the Harvard Graduate School. This is not Joe Bob's College and Fish and Chips. Harvard. Harvard. He was asked a question, listen, how much do we know about the relationship between the anatomy or biology of the brain and behavior? Here was his answer. We know much more because we are only now able to examine many dimensions of brain functioning in the thriving human beings. And he said, still, we don't know very much. <laughs> but there's going to be 13.8 million brain surgeries this year. On something we know very little about. I'd like to tell you that the Bible, that you'll never have a question in the Bible that you that remains unanswered. But if you'll give it time, if you'll develop a relationship with it, can I can I take a minute just to kind of show what that looks like? So I, I took a class um, a couple years ago called Earth and Space Science. I I had to take it in college because I didn't do so well in high school. (laughs) Judge me. And I've always had this problem. Not problem, question. Is that safe? All right, so... I've been taught the Genesis story of creation... For 40 years, right? Right? Uh, then God said, let there be light. What day was that? First day. Right? The first day of creation. But it wasn't the first day. Listen to me. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Listen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So what's, what's been created? heaven and the earth okay then god said let there be light and there was light and god saw that the light was good then he separated the light from the darkness god called the light day and the darkness night and evening and passed, and morning came marking the first day so he created the heavens and the earth paused then god said let there be light in verse three you with me so far so somebody tell me how much time was between verse 2 and verse 3. A day? A year? A trillion years? I don't know. You know what I know? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So I'm telling you, you we've got to be okay with those unanswered questions. You won't know it all, but you will. I heard a an old pastor say this. He was like (laughs) fifty. He said, "He said you think you got all these questions you're going to ask Jesus when you see his face, and you're going to see his face, and you're not going to have any questions. You're just going to know. Don't put so much weight on your objections." See, the greatest objection people have to the Bible is that it was, it was put together by men at a council that men decided who was going to put the Bible together. And we don't have time for a discussion of how we got the Bible. Just let me tell you this much. There was this council where the, what's called the canonization of Scripture took place. And what that was was uh, we just, they sealed... What was in the Bible? All right, nothing else comes in, nothing goes out. And people are like, Well, how do they know? How do they know? And what people will, what, what objectors to the scripture will never tell you is that these words were already being used right. all across the churches in, in Asia and in Europe. They were already being used. They just closed the door so nothing else could go in. That's all that happened. So, uh, w- Donna, come on. I'm, I'm going to leave, leave you this. I'll give it to you later to, to fill in. She freaks out when I call her before I give her the last fill, fill in. Freak is harsh. I'm sorry. Let, let me, as a Christian, here's what I want you to hear. I want to answer this question How do I keep the connection between Christ and the word solid? And, and y'all, th- this is my goal for this series. that you recognize Jesus as my Lord and the Bible as my authority. Jesus is my Lord. He calls the shots. This book, this word is my authority. All right, we're going to pray. I want you to bow your heads. So, I don't know where you're at in your own faith journey. Maybe you're here and and you are, uh, I mean, you're growing and you're maturing and God's doing a new work in you. And I'm thankful for you and I'm glad that that's happened. Maybe you're here. You got some questions. You got some doubts. Please hear this. God's okay with that. See, I believe that our our faith journey is just that. So we've had this idea that our faith journey ends when we receive Christ. And that's where it just begins. God's okay with your questions. God's okay with your doubts. Maybe you're here and, and there's been some circumstances in your life that have made you question some things. You know, Maybe you've asked that question, if God's, if God's good, why? I'd like to tell you that I've never asked that question, but I have. I'd like to tell you that God always answers me, but He doesn't. But here's what I've chosen to do. I've chosen to put my faith and hope and trust in my Father and in His Son Jesus and in the authority of His Word. And I can't tell you I've had 56 years worth of sunny days. But I can tell you this I've got purpose and I've got hope and I've got joy and I've got a future and I've got eternal life. I'll take it. So I want to pray with you this morning. And, and you know, I, I want you to pray right where you're at. You know, I, I love it when we pray around this altar. But i am just what I'm what I'm sensing this morning is that we just need to we just need to pray right where you're at. You don't know where you're walking, and, and you may be. The the person in this church that that looks the holiest, looks like you got it all together, but but inside you're you're full of you're like you're like you're what Jesus said you're full of dead men's bones, and I don't want you to leave like that. If all Jesus is for you is just a, an outward mask that you've put on to make people in your life think you're okay, He's so much more than that. If all you've done is tapped into some religious system, some denomination, He's so much more than that. So I'm going to pray for you. If God's spoken to your heart today, here's how I'd, I'd like you to respond. I'd love you to just put something on your connection card so I can pray with you but right now I want to pray for you Lord we love you and as we continue in this series learning more about your word and loving your word learning your word and living your word God thank you for the conviction that we feel in this room this morning just thank you Lord, I, I, I would imagine that many of us, most of us, if not all of us in this room are in the somewhere in the construction process. We're either tearing something down or we're trying to build something back. Thank you that you've given us a blueprint. Your word. Thank you that you've given us a standard, the a plan. So, God, as we leave this place together, affirm in all of us the truth of your word. We believe in God the Father. We believe in his son Jesus that lived and died and rose again. We believe in heaven and we believe in your word. So God, I pray if there's one here today that wants to put their trust and faith in Christ Jesus, God, that today would be their day. Your word tells us that if we confess our sins, that you're faithful and just to forgive us. So God, we confess our sins. We've stepped way outside of your boundaries. So God, thank you for your forgiveness. You tell us to turn from our sin, to turn towards you, and so we do that today. We forsake what's behind us and press on toward what's in front of us. And what's in front of us is the cross of Christ, where Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. And so now many of us will make this declaration that from this day forward, We live with Jesus as our Lord and the Bible as our authority. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you praise Jesus with me right now? Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great day.